Honesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. My name is Aaron, and this is part three of Unthawn, told by Soraka, with help from Rory O'Shea. So, take it away. Now the next morning, Ferdia woke up with a sick stomach and a pain in his head, and when he remembered what he'd said the night before, both of them got worse. He realised he'd agreed to fight his best friend, and there was no going back on his word once it was given. A warrior's word was his bond. So, with a heavy heart, he dragged himself to the ford. And when Cucullin saw Ferdia coming, he said, Ah, Ferdia, please, tell me it's not you. And Ferdia said, Look, I don't want to talk about it. I'm here. I have to fight you. Let's not get into it. But Cucullin begged Ferdia to remember all the times they'd fought side by side. All their times on Scahawk's island, and all the times when they were young fellas, playing together. But Ferdia would not turn aside. He said, Cucullin, you keep talking about how much I should love you, how I should turn away from fighting you, but I don't see you offering to turn away. I have to defend my province. Well, I have to defend my honour, so let's stop debating it and get down to it. And so Cucullin asked what weapon he would choose, and Ferdia chose the light-throwing spears. So each mounted up on his chariot on his side of the river, and each of their charioteers drove the horses up and down the river bank. And all that day each of them cast light spears at each other from either side of the river. And so great was their accuracy that each spear was on target, but so great was their skill at evading the throws that by sunset neither of them had drawn blood that day. And as the sun set that night, they waded into the centre of the ford and embraced each other as brothers once again. That night their charioteers shared a fire and their horses shared a paddock, and Ferdia sent over half of his supplies sent by the men of Ireland and Cucullin sent over half of his healing herbs to Ferdia. The next day, they decided they would use the heavy spears, and on that day they waded into the centre of the ford and they stabbed at each other with these thick and heavy pointed spears. And by the evening time there was not an inch on either of their skins that was not gaping with a wound and oozing blood. But that night they turned away from each other. They went to their separate sides of the river, and their charioteers shared no fire. Now the following morning, Ferdia MacDamon woke up early. And he realised that on this day, the third day of their fight, something had changed. That by nightfall tonight, either he himself would be dead by his best friend's hand, or his best friend would be dead by his hand. And at that moment, he could not decide which was worse. But he dressed himself carefully in his new linen tunic. And over his tunic, he tied a great flat stone across his belly to protect himself from the gay bulga. And over that, he put his finest armour of hardened leather and wood, studded with semi-precious stones, and a cap on his head with bronze and stones worked into it. And he went down to the ford early, before sunrise. 
Now the warriors of old, they used to perform great feats of skill to intimidate their opponents. There was the salmon leap, there was the cat feat, and the shield feat, and the spear feat. But the feats that Ferdia McDamon did on that day have no name, because no one had ever shown such skill, such grace in battle as he did on that day, and no one ever matched those feats again. And when Cúchulain came down to the ford and saw those feats performed, he said nothing. He drew his sword and waded into the middle of the stream, and there they clashed. And on this day, they held nothing back. So close was the fighting, there was no air between their bodies. So loud was the clash of their blades that all the birds of the air started shrieking. The animals that had been gathered by the men of Ireland stampeded away in fright. The demons of the air woke up and started to scream. So close was the fight that the water of the ford ran away from them and their blood flowed down to fill it up instead. And then Ferdia struck at Cúchulain with his sword straight through the chest of him, just missing his heart, a blow that would kill any other man. And Cúchulain, as he fell, called out to his charioteer Laig. He called out, Laig, give me a spear. And Laig threw to him the gay bulga. And as he was falling, with his foot, he caught the gay bulga, and he threw it up at Ferdia McDammon. It smashed through the stone. It entered his body. It splintered apart into a thousand pieces, and Ferdia McDammon fell. And Cúchulain caught him. And he carried him to the north side of the river, to the Ulster side, so he could die in the land of his mother. And he held him there, and he wept. And he sang a lament for this man that was dearer to him than a brother. And he said, All was play, all was sport, until Ferdia came to the ford. Then Laig walked towards Cúchulain, seeing the wounds on him now, he knew Cúchulain was near to death himself, and he looked out across the army of the men of Ireland, who were marching on Ulster unhindered now, and through the press of this army he saw a man walking towards them, tall and shining, a crimson cloak clasped with gold. He walked through the men unseen, and passed through them as though they were mist. Laig realised then that this was one of the Tuatha de Danann, Lu father, Cúchulain's father. And this shining man looked down on Cúchulain and picked the warrior up as though he were a child. And he opened his hand and began to cast a spell of sleep and healing. But Cúchulain caught his wrist and said, it's too soon. The men of Ulster are still under the curse. Promise me, you will not leave Ulster 
undefended. And the man smiled and nodded. And then he put Cucullin into a healing sleep, and with that, vanished. After three days and three nights, Cucullin awoke. He expected to see Ulster's fields burning, and leapt to his feet in a panic, but Laig calmed him, though he would not meet his eye. What's happened? Cucullin said. Have the men of Ulster awoken from their curse so soon? But Laig said, No, it was the boys' troop. And Cucullin was overjoyed then, delighted that his friends had proven themselves in battle, that they were all of them warriors now. But Laig still would not meet his eye. And he said, Take me to them. Take me to my friends, the sons of warriors of Ulster, and we will make a slaughter of this army together. Together we will drive them out. And Laig at last looked him in the eye, and Cúchulain saw his eye was full of grief. He said, Cúchulain, they left down their hurleys and took up their arms, and they fought. They fought so bravely and so well. They killed three times their own number. Every one of them, three times fifty boys, proved themselves true warriors. Cúchulain, every one of them, is fallen. Cúchulain's battered heart broke to pieces. He felt as cold as a stone. And with ice in his throat he told Laig to yoke the scythed chariot. This war chariot was a fearsome thing. Not a surface on it was not covered by a blade or a point. The wheels themselves were studded with knives that whirled as they turned and cut down any who would get too close. Laig yoked the horses and put on them their battle armour so that the grey of Maka and the black of Shanglain bristled with blades and looked like creatures from another world. And he himself put on his light deerskin tunic, for Laig knew that he had no need of armour when riding beside Cúchulain. Cúchulain called to his side his mother's husband, Sulatim McRoy, who had come to tend to him in his sickbed, told him to take a warhorse and Cúchulain's own shield and ride as fast as he could to Awanmaka to wake the men of Ulster there. And then Cúchulain felt his broken heart begin to beat again as he leaped through the air, his grief coursed through his veins and he felt it turn and curdle into something dark and red. His anger rose and his battle rage came upon him. His muscles began to bulge and his joints to swell. His knees turned the other way around and his hair stood up on end and crackled with sparks. One of his eyes bulged out of his head as big as a plate and the other shrank and drew back into his skull so a bird could not peck at it. He landed on the scythed chariot as his teeth grew jagged and fanged. The Hound of Ulster threw back his head and howled, the sound resounding through his nine-sided helmet 
And when the men of Ireland heard that noise, they thought the end of the world was come. And when Cúchulainn bore down on them in his chariot, they knew that it was true. He mowed down the men of Ireland, tearing through them like a scythe through barley, painting the ground red with their blood, howling and hacking and avenging the deaths of the boys' troop of Ulster for a whole day and a night. The army tried to attack him, but his rage burned so brightly he felt no pain and did not notice the cuts he was taking. But at last, his battle rage began to wane, and the many wounds he had received took their toll, and Cúchulainn undid all the good that those three days and three nights of healing sleep had done him. Laig tied him to his bed then, so that he would not enter the fray again and surely die. Now Sulitim had mounted up on the warhorse and rode as fast as he could for Awan Maka. But Sulitim was neither a warrior nor a horseman and he was holding his heavy shield with its sharp edge and he was calling out, Awake, men of Ulster! Arise, men of Ulster! The armies are upon you! Your people need your strength! The horse stumbled and he struck his neck against the sharp edge of the shield and this knocked his head clean off. But the head tangled in the bridle of the horse as it fell, and Sulitim's final shout continued to come from the mouth of the severed head. And powered now by his spirit from the other world, it was louder than ever before, and this great and eerie shout echoed throughout all of Ulster, calling, Awake, men of Ulster! Arise and take up your arms! Defend your people! Drive out your enemies! And the men of Ulster, they heard it. As they were lying in their sick beds, they rose up on shaky feet to discover their province devastated, ransacked and pillaged, and their sons all dead. They gathered their arms. They rode out in their chariots, and the anger that came on them burned in them like a terrible fire. Now Maeve, she heard what sounded like thunder coming closer saw on the horizon what looked like a cloud full of snow with fire speckled and burning within it. Fergus told Maeve that was the sound of the Red Branch army bearing down on her, with the froth from their horses' mouths swirling like snow and speckled throughout it was not fire, but the rage that burned bright within them. Oliel gave Fergus back his sword, and with Leocon high overhead he moved his army towards them, and the two armies there they crashed together with a great clash and a shout of steel. But then the scream and the gong of Ocon came to his ears, as he heard the magic shield of Crohor Magnessa being struck. Fergus McRoy leapt straight towards him, cutting ten men down that were in his way, running to exact his revenge on the king at last. Cúchulainn strained against his ropes to hear the sounds of battle and his king in need so nearby. He strained till his bonds broke. Now, weak and wounded, he stumbled through the battlefield, ducking and diving through the chaos. 
throwing himself between his king and Fergus McRoy, who held his great sword high. Cucullin cried out, Fergus, your promise. Fergus froze, now knowing he'd have to break his word to enact his hate on the man who broke his promise to him. Seeing how he could not follow through, he took his hate to the hills with one swing that took the top off the nearest three mountains. Then filled with frustration and in full view of his army, he turned and ran from Cucullin. When the army of Ireland saw their general turn and run, their nerve broke, and they too turned tail and ran for their lives. And the rest of that battle was a rout. Maeve and Oliel and a small group of warriors made a rallying point near Athai and they held off the Ulstermen long enough for most of what was left of the army to limp back to Krugon. And in amongst them, unnoticed by the Ulstermen, was a small group of raiders driving a great brown bull. The brown bull of Cooley. But as she saw the brown bull driven into the fields of Connacht, Maeve knew she had at least won this much. The brown bull of Cooley arrived in the field of Fionbanok, the white-horned bull of Cruachan Eye. He raised his great head, and their gleaming red eyes met. And when their eyes met, a spark was triggered and blew through their eyes, through their brains, and dug at something deeper, something long forgotten. Something buried deep, deep down in the core of their being. These bulls remembered who they were. And in that moment, the air froze and the wind stopped blowing as the spirits of the bulls grew red hot in remembrance. They remembered Rucked. They remembered Fruok. They remembered their rivalry and their yearning to destroy one another. The wind blew hot with hate. They raced towards each other and the clashing of their horns woke every babe in Ireland. As they fought, they knocked the tops off mountains. As they fought, they gouged great ruts in the land. And as they fought, they trampled over many men. This fight lasted a day and a night, until, at last, Fionbanok swiped his horns at the Don Cúinle, and his swing went wide. The brown bull saw his chance, and he ripped out the throat of the white-horned bull. As Fionbanok began to fall, the Don picked him up on his horns, and bellowing in victory, tossed his body across Ireland. And then the Don Cúinle let out a great, big roar. To tell all of Ireland that he had finally bested his nemesis. And he went down to Munster then, where he was once a swineherd named Fruach. And he roared out there to let everyone know that he had won. 
he went to Leinster and roared his great victory to the hills, knowing that all the bulls of Ireland were cowering at the sound of his bellow, and on he went, roaring out his victory, until he came back to Cooley. It was on account of this bull that Maeve had gathered her great alliance that all lay in tatters now. And on account of this bull, Cúchulain burned his name into the memories of storytellers until the end of time. On account of this bull, the boys' troop of Awan Maka spent their lives. On account of this bull, three of Maeve's own sons died in the rout. And the brown bull looked at Cooley, where he had been born in this form. He looked out over those dear fields that were his home, and he let out one last great bellow. And his heart burst within his chest, and the brown bull of Cooley keeled over, dead. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This was our birthday month and we celebrated by giving Rory O'Shea a reading of Anton Volkunla. Sorok and I wrote this over the course of a few years Six years ago we started telling stories on the Stag's Head in Dublin and, well, more people came and helped and played music with us, Rory being the first one, of course. And since then we've learned how to podcast. We're still learning. And, of course, Oshin Ryan has been instrumental as a producer. We're doing this all from the ground up, hoping that you're enjoying it, loving when people reach out to us, and it means a huge amount. We wouldn't be able to do this without the support and help we get on patreon.com forward slash tales or the one-off donations that are occasionally thrown our way. If you'd like to do that, you can go to candletales.ie and follow the PayPal button. Those things mean a lot, but so do your messages, your emails, your requests. We realise we're not just telling stories into a void. We all need to connect at this time. And usually we have a birthday party. And this is our form of a virtual birthday. So, thanks for sharing one of our favourite stories. If you like these podcasts, well, share them. Tell someone about them. It makes a massive difference. You can always leave a review if you like what we do. We'll be coming back with more stories. The Death series is coming very soon. So stay tuned. Gaurav Meela Magad.